0: Hello, bonsoir and welcome to the Get French Football News Show. I'm Nathan Staples and joining me this evening are French football expert Rich Allen and our new regular panellist Jeff Fenn's very own Peter Rutzler. Welcome to the show. The transfer window is nearing its close and Twitter is all the hype about all the big moves potentially on the horizon with a player scattered with the letter M. Getting all the hype, um, all the talk about Thiago Motta's birthday and more, including your questions after the latest headlines. Paris Saint-Germain got us kicked off on Friday evening as they put Saint-Etienne to the sword 3-0 thanks to two goals from Edison Cavani. On Saturday afternoon, Nantes held Lyon to a 0-0 draw, thanks to a good save from Tatarasanu in the first half, while Amiens put Nice again to another defeat, scoring three goals, one from Gael Kikuta and two from new signing Musa Kanate. Bordeaux won 2-1 at home to Troyes, while Conn managed a 1-0 win against currently pointless Mets. Uh, also in the multiplex, Dijon earned their first win of the season at against Montpellier with a 2-1 win, while Toulouse played in an entertaining affair against Rennes, winning 3-2 that sees the wayside still within the bottom two. On Sunday, Gangomp eventually saw out Strasbourg 2-0 with goals from Mustapha Diallo and Jimmy Briand, while Angers drew 1-1 against Lille, who are still struggling, after their first win of the season under Marcello Bielsa. And on Sunday, Monaco proved that they have not lost much of a step this season as they put Marseille to an absolute thrashing. 6-1 with four goals in the first half and several from Radamel Falcao. And in transfer news, we heard earlier this month that, well, earlier this week, apologies, that Usman Dembele has joined Barcelona from Dortmund. The former Rennes Man going for an initial fee believed to be around the 100 million euros mark, that might rise to around the 150 million euros mark. And there's a few possible transfers in the pipeline that may go through in the next couple of days. Didier Deschamps has issued a sort of warning to his team that if anyone wants to leave, they can't. They will have to do a a medical at Clairefontaine. Moves possibly for Thomas Lamar, almost definitely for Mbappé. With rumours of Jovic coming through the other way, he's been photoed in that number 10 shirt today. There's all some interesting things to keep an eye on. And that's all for the news. But remember, to stay up to date with all your French football uh, latest, head on over to our website at www.getfootballnewsfrance.com. And follow us on Twitter, at GFFN. We'll start this week with that big transfer news involving a Frenchman, and that's Ousmane Dembele's move to Barcelona. I mentioned a moment ago, it reportedly costed the Catalans an initial €104 million, Euros, but could rise to almost 150 with add-ons. I know Rich, much like myself, we saw the youngster score in his debut against Bordeaux just under two years ago. It seems a little surreal, doesn't it?
1: it's bonkers isn't it um you know this time 2 years ago he wasn't even in the squad at Wren. um you know he was still he was still in the process of tying up his first professional contract um and yeah now he's now he's the second most expensive player in the world and it, yeah you're right it's very surreal um he's always been quite clear that barcelona was where he wanted to play so i think everybody was was um, sort of under the impression that Dortmund were only going to be a stopgap. I didn't expect it to be only a one-season stopgap, uh, and I certainly didn't expect the kind of transfer fee that has been paid to have been paid. But you know, Neymar has destroyed everything—everything everything logical that we thought we knew about the transfer window. So, hence the numbers, uh, hence the numbers quoted. But it's it's from my perspective. I've been a fan of, of Dembélé. You know, I watched a, did see a few of his games when he was playing for the reserves. He did see it, seem a standout player then. So to have seen his, his meteoric rise, that's the only way to describe and even that's probably doing it a disservice. Um, to go from that to, to, you know, second most expensive player in the world and being the sort of new hope of Barcelona in less than two years is, is crazy, but wonderful at the same time.
0: Yeah, Richard's got all the hipster points with his tweet from the from the Frenchman while he was still in the youth size. I, I, I but you've got some bragging rights there, haven't you, Rich?
1: Uh, I'll be claiming that to the day I don't know. <laughs> I
0: thought you might be. Yeah, I agree. It seems a bit strange from thinking back to that Bordeaux game. He didn't I don't think he even played that well on that evening, but he grabbed a little bit of a lucky goal against the Byland. And then ever since then he's been outstanding and peter you did an excellent piece for the site earlier this week on him as what well, as the transfer sort of went through let's talk about his time in league uh, to start off with because obviously that's what we probably know him best for he was a real shining light in that red team that just looked pretty abject otherwise within tep with injury and they they didn't really have a spark, but he really lit up this league didn't he peter are you there Might be having some technical issues with Peter, so I'll, I'll, I'll throw you that way, your way again, Rich. I mean, we both probably watched him a considerable amount during that first season while he was still at Ren. He he just added a little bit extra to that team, didn't he?
1: He was the team for a period from from when he first came into that side, pretty much through to the end of the season. He was the team. The hat trick in the in the derby against Nantes. Um, which Rem fans, myself included, still, you know, go on about, still have fun with with the non-fans. Um, you know, he scored that albeit bit deflected, but a really good goal in that. Um, I think it was five three. It finished at the Vallodrome against Marseille. It seemed there was there was a stage where of the season, that brief season, <laughs> where it seemed he could do no wrong. Everything he did was just magical to watch. You know, every time he got on the ball, everyone was excited. I probably hasten to add that a lot of opposition fans were probably almost just as excited because there was just this sense of, of, you know, this young player who's come from nowhere could get the ball, run at players, and produce an end product. So it was wonderful to see, um, you know, he got a funny move in the summer to Dortmund, but yeah, there was a time... Um, during that season in Liga when no one was touching him. Not even close.
0: Yeah, and it was great to see. And and I'll bring you back in in here with this, uh, Peter. And I know you wrote a nice little profile on him, but let's talk a little bit about his time in the Bundesliga with Dortmund. I mean, he went into a side that had a lot of established players. We're thinking Royce, obviously, he had a couple of injury problems. There was a lot of hype over uh, Christian Pulisic and Emre Moore in that team. Rafael Guerrero went in that same summer. Yet, Maybe behind maybe someone like Aubameyang, he was the one that was really the driving force of a team that maybe a, was a little bit of transition at least last season.
2: Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, there certainly were in that, that stage of transition. But what was so impressive about uh, Dembele when he made the switch to the Bundesliga was the fact that he filled the boots of Henrik Mikatarian and Mkhitaryan was so essential to, to Dortmund's success the season before. Um, I think he scored about I think it was twelve goals, fifteen assists, something like that. And he essentially was was bought as the man to to, to replace him, and that's that's a very difficult thing, and and the, the pressure that comes with that. And he he formed this formidable relationship with with Aubameyang. Um I think he I think he laid on like I think it was ten goals. I think specifically for Aubameyang, which is the highest combination between between two players. So I mean. He did hit the ground running there, and that, that's quite reassuring, especially if you're, if you're a Barcelona fan and you're looking at him, can he, can he then make the step to, to Barcelona and fill, <laughs> fill the boots of someone even bigger? Um, but no, he, he was very impressive for, for Borussia Dortmund. In, and it was the right move, I think. Um, he had the chance to move to Barcelona um, from Ren directly, as well, as well as many other suitors. But he made the right choice after all this, the, the saga that... that surrounded the deal with his agents and, and whatever else. So, and that worked very well, obviously. Like, like Rich, I'm as stunned as anyone that he's gone so quickly from, from uh, well, Ren's second team to, to being the second most expensive player of all time. So, but I, I think the experience of Dortmund will have done him a load of good, especially having to take on the mantle of another player who was so important to the team. And I think that'll be really essential in, in Barcelona.
0: Yeah, because that's essentially what he'll be doing, Richard, in in Barcelona. And filling the boots of anyone can be difficult. Like Peter mentioned, Mkhitaryan was superb for Dortmund. But filling the boots of Neymar, it's an unenviable task at least anyway.
1: Um, If if a player's going to do it, a player like Dembele is the kind of player to achieve that. Um, Certainly his time with Ren and seemingly his time with Dortmund has been a challenge, I think, for the clubs to match his own expectations of what he wants. So, as I said earlier, he's been very clear as soon as he emerged into the Wren team, seemingly, that Barcelona were his, his dream. That's where he wanted to play. So, Wren obviously had to try, <laughs> and, you know, they're not going to match, you know, the levels of Barcelona, obviously, but they had to try and meet him some way as to what can be, what can what can. They help him achieve in that first season with ren Dortmund then had to do similar. He's now reached Barcelona. Now he, now what he's got is Barcelona have got a level of expectation and now he's got to match that. So that's going to be something that's going to be quite new to him. I think the attitude that he has, um, the ego, but when I say ego, I mean that in, in a relatively positive manner, I think means that, yeah, if, if, if any player is going to get close to filling Neymar's boots it may take a while but Dembélé seemingly is is one of those that are around at the minute that could do that
0: yeah and, and very quickly really linking this back to Liga and everything Peter how much of a benefit is this to Ren i mean this is a they had a reasonable clause on him where I believe it was about the twenty five percent mark. So they're getting about between twenty five and thirty million back for him, depending on add-ons and the and the rest. That's a nice little cash boost to get out of the almost out of the blue, isn't it?
2: Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, it's it eclipses the the money they received. I think it was for Shabani Nanda was their record fee received. So it's certainly that, and he's he's not even on their books. So it's a huge boost. But then you have to think: Well, is is Gorky the right man to spend it? Um, because I think obviously it's a booster run, and they they they've they spent and they've and they've had their outlays, and I think they spent thirty million pounds. I think it roughly equates to. Um, and at the moment, I mean, the second bottom, two points, points against Troyes and Dijon. Um, they <laughs> they need to invest in certain areas. They need a keeper. They think they signed um, Kubek today. Is that right, Rich?
1: Oh, it is. Yes. Yeah. in. Yes.
2: So whether he's the answer, we we will see. Um, so that's plainly been an issue so far um, this season. Um, Striker, they've been linked with Dupreville, Um And they've been talking another centre-half as well. And But the real issue for Red is he gives all this money to, to the club, but Christian Gorkoof's the one who's going to have to spend it. Or, well, at least deal with the personnel. And I, I, at the moment, I, I wouldn't say he's the right man to do it. He's, he seems to be... I find it absolutely baffling that he's so rigid with the... With, the way he's he's lining up ren the formation of a a four four two slash a four four one one it is it, it's well it's just quite stunning really so I mean there is a lot of talent in that ren team at the moment as it is, and obviously this boost this cash boost is important um I think they will invest it um I've tried to contact the club and they they said the future will tell when about them spending it so i I do expect most of that to be reinvested at some point um but you know the, the the issue lies with Gorky, I think, and I know mean, Rich would take that on um, <laughs> and add to that. Yeah, I bet
0: you're happy with the money at least, Roach.
1: Uh, I think, that, yeah, it's it's a nice, nice bit of uh, nice bit of income. The only thing I will take from that is that it fortunately isn't really Gorky that's spending it. As you say, though, it's Gorky that's got to deal with the players, and <laughs> um, the money actually so far has been spent very wisely. Mm. it's not being then put into place effectively. So, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll I'll, I'll perhaps be touching on Gorku for a little bit later.
0: Yeah, and I, I want to throw this final bit on this to you, Rich, as well. How can this help French football in the future? Might there be more, even a couple more eyes on it, thinking that if Barcelona would have worked harder last summer, they could have got him for a fraction of the price? I mean, Mbappe will help with that as well surely this is just going to bring more attention to the league and some of these smaller teams that are producing some excellent players.
1: Uh, well, I think it definitely will... Um, more that you know, Ligue 1 is the place to be for you know young, exciting players. What I think would also then do for French clubs is make them a bit more savvy when it comes to them selling players. We all know in the past that French teams have been notoriously... Um, weak, I suppose, when it comes to negotiating sales of their star players. I think over the last couple of seasons they've toughened up a little bit and seeing Ren put in a clause like this in their contracts and now we're obviously dealing with such huge numbers when it comes to transfers. Um, I think it can only mean that French clubs can get that bit tougher uh, with their negotiations.
0: Yeah, and it's a really great move for him. I'm very, very pleased. It's one of those strange situations where you see a young player rise through the ranks so quickly, but let's hope Wish him all the best for his adventures in Barcelona. I'm going to shift gears now to stay in the transfer window but really focus on these last few days because we're still waiting on bait, bait of breath for a few moves. I do want to do a very interesting story I've just cropped up on uh, that's been pointed out by our friend Jonathan Johnson on Twitter about Stefan Jovetic. I do want to get a good giggle out of this from, uh, for you listening at home. Um, the former Manchester City striker Stefan Jovetic, obviously it's severe at the moment, is in a strange, bizarre story of this weekend. He was on his way to Monaco to join the French champions, and you might have seen a photo of him earlier today wearing the number 10 shirt, which is possibly signalling the exit of Mbappe. We'll wait and see. I assume it will. But he was caught, uh, he, he caught a helicopter from the Nice airport to watch their game with Marseille, but also on that helicopter was the Marseille chairman who did not recognize him and started a conversation with him and told them that they were signing Jovetic. Uh, yes um, surprisingly um, (laughs) the striker revealed who he was Um, Erald was not particularly happy And told him that a medical had been arranged and a deal had been agreed. And as you might have already seen today, Jovic is pretty much 99.999% on his way to Monaco. So uh, that will get you a nice giggle, but the the window will slam shut on Friday. Um, And as I've mentioned earlier, Deschamps has sort of imposed a, a pseudo finish today as his players will not be permitted to leave the camp for deals at least. So some of the things would have had to be arranged otherwise. There's still a few deals that are being muted, so let's start with that big fish one, uh, Rich, and that's Kylian Mbappe. Um, It's a little bit of a mess financially, whether he goes out on loan initially, whether it's the lump sum now, whether it includes Fabinho, although there's reports that they won't sell Fabinho at all to Paris Saint-Germain this summer, possibly might still sell him abroad. Um, But he still sees this deal of seeing Mbappe in Paris by the end of this window.
1: It's going to happen, isn't it? I think everyone's now resigned to the fact that he's going to be going. It just seems to now be a case of how he's going to go. Is it going to be cash up front? Is it going to be this slightly murkier loan deal with an option to buy? Um, but I've been quite vocal on Twitter about my feelings of the, of the uh, Mbappe move to PSG. You know, it's going to be good, obviously, for PSG. It hopefully hopefully will be good for Mbappe. It's really not great, I don't think, for the league as a whole, where you've got the uh, you know, country's second biggest side um, selling their biggest asset to their only rival. So um, it, it's inevitable. You know, we had, you said, those pictures of Jovetic come out with the thing, but it's going to happen. Uh, PSG were, you know, enjoying teasing everybody, them and, and Thomas Mounier today, earlier today. Um, before trolling everybody <laughs> and bringing out the uh, happy birthday Thiago Motta card, um, but yeah, it, it's going to happen. It will almost certainly happen. I think in the next couple of days, uh, we had Deschamps as well saying that you know he's changing clubs, this, that, and the other. So it's it's a case now of when, not if, isn't it?
0: Yeah, it was an awful Freudian slip from the French manager this, evening. <laughs> this afternoon. It was a, He very quickly retracted that statement. I wonder why. Um, but, Peter, the mention of the loan deals with an option to buy, it seems a little bit dodgy, really, when you think of financial fair play
2: coming into effect. It's skirting the rules. Is it clever or is it cheeky? Well, I think it's, it's quite obviously clever and cheeky, I think. I just tweeted. I got a tweet today actually saying, "Is it? Is is there another example of a title rival loaning their best player to a direct rival?" And I, I'm, <laughs> it's left me a bit stuck. I, I think I should look into it, but because it is quite striking that um, that that Monaco will be willing to let that happen. I think in terms of financial fair play, it's you know it's. What was interesting, actually, there was an article by The Guardian, I think it was either today, I think it was today or yesterday, and they were saying that they've been in um, constant um, discussions with UEFA about what they're doing in the transfer market, PSG. That was the, the upshot I took from it, um, looking at the a loan deal as a possible way of, of, of restructuring. But with financial fair play anyway, it looks at it over a broad uh, three-year period anyway, so it, it it would still take into account the fee come... The time that he does actually leave, um, and I'm sure that the fact that the the loan deal would then be compulsory purchase would then uh, affect their, their their budget, their balances, and, and what they can present to to UEFA and and financial bodies. Um, but yeah, I mean, the, what's also relative uh, important to think about is that you this isn't necessary. Of course, spending almost four hundred million on two players is extraordinary, but Neymar, for example, he when they when they signed Neymar, uh, Manchester City had still spent more money than Paris Saint-Germain by that point. Um, obviously, Mbappe takes it to another level. But if it is a loan, then relatively speaking, they they are a- a- excessive compared to most clubs. But it, it's not extreme in the current market, um, and especially when you look at it over a, a, a set number of, of years. Um, obviously, PSG have invested. But they... The the gulf is not as large as as perhaps we would think, and especially when they structure wages and contracts over a certain amount of time. What is interesting is that if they do sign Mbappe, though, you have to expect one a big-name player who we do not expect to leave to leave. And at the moment, that is exceptionally difficult to call. I mean, there's um, Draxler, but they've only just signed him. He, From his perspective, I think he would probably be willing to look for a move. Um, elsewhere, because at the moment it doesn't look like he's going to get enough game time that would warrant what he thinks he deserves at, at PSG um, Di Maria he, he didn't have a great game at all on uh, Friday night against San Etienne um, but he is at the moment first choice I think he'll, he will lose that place if Mbappe does join um, so potentially he could be pushed out the door too um, Lucas I think he was told by Emery that he doesn't have a, f- a future in any case, but I wouldn't necessarily think he would be enough in terms of departure. So, it's an interesting one and I think if Mbappe does go for it, even if it is a loan, or, well, I think the loan could then facilitate a player leaving later, but someone else will go and it'll be interesting to see who that is.
0: It might be two or three by the, by the end of the window from the sounds of things now. And, yeah, I get the loan deal. I think, from Monaco's point of view at least, it's because of, of Mbappe's contract and impossibly not signing a new one now. He he will have only a year left next summer. The price then probably goes down from a lot of these big clubs. It's not really worth it bank on the hype now if they can. Um very quickly on him, Rich. Um we've just mentioned the amount of players that would have to shift out or move around if he if he does come. He's a left sided forward really, which is where Neymar plays. Um how does he fit in to this PSG side?
1: I struggle to see how he does in this current in the current formation I struggle to see how he does. Um, one line of thought is: is he a very expensive mid to long term replacement for Cavani? Um, you know, that's 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 quite a quite a way to spend some money on a on a future replacement. Um, but yeah, as you say, you know, he he his his you know preferred position is either up front or. or out towards the left so yeah logic would say I don't know how that how that would work with Cavani and Neymar does Neymar perhaps move and just be told look you can play wherever you want we've spent all that money on you you know Mbappe plays in a more left-sided role Cavani up front with a hope that Neymar has the sense to push a little bit further right but then are you risking not getting the best out Neymar you've got uh you know as you both pointed out we've got a long list of high-profile names who will also be vying for, for opportunity. You've got Draxa Di Maria, you've got Lucas Moura, you've got uh, Guedes as well. Uh, two, yeah, I think I think you're looking at at least two of those having to go, but I, I, I honestly think um, Emery's going to have to look at his formation. If he's going to be spending that money on Neymar, that money on Mbappe, that current formation does not lend itself to those two players playing and then the, you know getting the best out of them.
0: Yeah, and if you thought there was pressure on Emery last season, oh, blimey, it's been a, maybe turned up to 11 <laughs> this past summer with the deals that they've gone through. Let's talk about another Monaco player now, um, Peter, and that's Thomas Lamar, who's been in the news again. He was talked to about Arsenal a few times this summer. They never really came in with a, a big enough offer. Liverpool come in with a supposedly much larger offer, but it's still... There's been two bids supposedly today turned by the down by the uh, Monegasque They're supposedly asking for at least €100 million, euros, maybe being a little bit cheeky knowing that the Coutinho deal might still be on the table from Barcelona. Do you think this one happens before the window or do you think Monaco is shutting the door on this one by rejecting those two deals?
2: I think the Lamar deal is... Not as likely as other potential deals to go through. I, I, I mean, unless Liverpool do stump up a hundred million, but I think that would also be dependent on Barcelona and are Barcelona then gonna are willing to spend another hundred million euros plus on a player, which goes so much flies in the face of what they're supposed to stand for. You know, in terms of developing players and everything like that, and basically playing Real Madrid's game and something that Real Madrid can then throw back at them. So, I think they're they're very much intertwined. Um, I, can't, I can't see Monaco letting him go, though. I think there, there comes a point where <laughs> he's, he's selling everyone. And as much as Monaco have prepared admirably for the departures of Bernardo Silva and Bakayoko and, um, and Mendy, for example, and, and potentially Fabinho, but apparently they've shut the door on that too. Um, I don't think they can, pretend, from their perspective, having to cope with Lamar going as well I don't think they will be able to deal with that. But should he, should Liverpool manage to push it through? If they do decide to pay hundred million Euros, then you know, that's a different different ball game. And then you do get a transfer they go through. I don't I can't see that happening necessarily. Although the rumors are strong, that's for sure.
0: Sorry to carry us, so oh- hot, uh, Ohollick, which is a fantastic name for a keeper that's barely played for you. But uh, um, sorry for his question and today, he was asked about if uh, Lamar to LFC is, is likely. But Rich, if he did go to Liverpool, how does he fit into that side? I mean, they had a fantastic performance at the weekend, but it was it was the likes of uh, Sane and uh, Salah really breaking as those attacking forwards with Firmino as as like a false nine, as you will. Does he really fit that mould? He's more of a winger sometimes. He can play as a 10, but does that fit that formation? Again, there's questions, isn't there?
1: There is, and I think there would be another sign-in where the manager would then have to look at the the way that he plays, the formation that he plays. Um, I would expect that if Liverpool did sign him, um, and my standpoint is I don't think they actually will, but if they did... My view would that they would perhaps look at playing him slightly more centrally. Um, I think they've had a, a lot of joy with with the likes of Marne, Firmino, Salah. Those three as a, as a forward line have looked very impressive so far this season. Um, so I, w- I would have an inkling, I suppose, that he would look to drop Lamar in, in a more central role. I think Lamar himself has expressed a slight preference for playing there as well. Um, I'm still of a believer that you get the best out of him when he plays wide on the left, but you know you'd like to think the player knows best. But ultimately, it's almost for me it's almost a moot point because I I I'll probably eat, I have to eat my words on this, but it's a deal I don't see getting over the line um, before the end mm. of the month.
0: No, I, I think Monaco politely shut the door on them this this afternoon, at least anyway, rejecting two bids. Is then probably saying that there's too late in the day really for them to be any more movement on it. Very quickly on on a, another deal that we've briefly mentioned that's probably going through to Liga, and that's Stefan Jovetic to to Monaco. I'll throw this at you first, Peter. What do you think to the deal?
2: I think it's a very very good signing for for Monaco. I think he's he's more of a replacement for Germain potentially, um, but yeah, I think <laughs> the, the the story about him switching sides from Marseille goes down pretty well um, and, and obviously it's a reflection of, of last night's game as well, um, a double blow really, 7-1. Um, I think what he can add for um, Monaco up front uh, is an ability to drop off, um, to work uh, with, uh, like Germain does with, with Marseille and, and did with Monaco. Um, Build-up play is uh, a very important part of how he plays. He's an excellent finisher. He's a player who was built with so much potential um, when he was younger, and I feel he hasn't yet reached the heights that what was uh, the heights that were tipped for him. So I think maybe Monaco might be the place he can really push on. He'll get the opportunity to do that. I can imagine him striking a very good partnership with with Falcao, who's in terrific form at the moment. Um, and I think it's, it's good for Monaco in the sense that, I mean, they started Diakabi up front and he's been excellent and he, he really has taken his game to another level. I don't think he will be capable of doing that consistently this season, um, but you, you never know, he might do. But I think having someone as experienced as Jovatic, especially with European football this season coming up, um, is, is, a, is a good move for, for all parties in that respect, and, except Marseille, of course.
0: Yeah, he's an interesting foil, isn't he, Rich, to, to Falcao? And really, although Carbi Di- was good last night and has a good moment, he's maybe more of an experienced man, especially in these Champions League evenings.
1: Uh, as you've both rightly pointed out, it's the experience, I think, that Monaco have looked to sign there. They've got, um, as we all know, they've got a lot of, of inexperienced, young, exciting players, um, Diakabi being one of them. I I can't recall seeing a fee being mentioned or must have been, but I don't think it's actually in the grand scheme of things very much. Um, so, you know, in that, in that regard, with the experience that he brings, both domestically and, and in Europe, it, it, it seems, uh, you know, on the face of it, it seems a, a very, very canny signing. So um, it will be interesting to see how he plays, you know, how he plays in that side, whether... It becomes to the detriment of some of the younger players, like the Akabi. Whether it's just to, you know, as a player to perhaps give Falcao a little bit of a rest every now and again, um, we shall wait and see. Um, but I think, on the whole, yeah, this this looks to be a, a fairly decent signing. Yeah, let's let's
0: get out of the transfer craziness for a moment and back to action on the field for for a bit. And and Sunday evening saw Monaco put Marseille to the sword, really a six-one drubbing at the Stade Louis shines a light on both sides really but let's start with the hosts first
2: peter um what did you make of monaco in this win well it was, they were very very impressive i think that that goes without saying um you know it's 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 one thing to take on a side who had clearly set up in a in a terrible way and had set themselves out defensively to hold off monaco and then shot themselves in the foot within the first 20 minutes but to also do it repeatedly, to be ruthless, um, is the mark of a side that means business this season. And, and, and they're showing really that, you know, that, that they have suffered a little bit in the transfer window, but they've also got the foundation stones there to recover. And it's not necessarily going to be a season where it'll be transitional and there'll be um, a few, uh, plenty of points off PSG but they have the potential there maybe to push them. I, I still think, if especially if Mbappe goes, it is PSG's title, but they were very, very impressive, Monaco, last night. And I think there are a number of different players who really stood out. I think mean, Falcao, for one, he looks really to be in terrific form this season. Um, he scored seven goals already, um, which is about, I think, it's a goal every 50 minutes or something, uh, which is very, very impressive. Um a great header is the second goal. I mean, obviously, the first one was a penalty, but the, the header, obviously, it was a flick-on from Diakabe and his reaction to just throw himself at the ball and, and put it past Mondanda. Um, he looks sharp. He, he looks ready for this season. and he, he looks like he's going to take some of the weight and, and, and some of the pressure that, that will exist up front now that uh, Mbappe may be jumping ship. And I think this, this could be one of the first seasons we've seen Falcao really push on after his recent troubles after his knee injury and he was very good last season, don't get me wrong. But I, I think he this season with more importance placed on him up front to find goals, he 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 will be important to them and he looks like he's ready to to step up. But I mean there was you could go through the whole Monaco team and and, and, and wax lyrical about them. I thought Ronnie Lopez was very good. Um, not easy coming in on the right hand side, taking over from Bernardo Silva. I, I thought he absolutely annihilated Hubachan at left back. It was embarrassing at times. Great pace. Great feet, a real threat. Um, I mean, he's—we've known him to be a prospect. I think in recent times um, hasn't he's shown glimpses, but you know, maybe maybe he'll relish the challenge this season of of being able to step into the Monaco first team and and take on that role as his own. And I think he was very very good last night. Um, obviously, I think the the highlight really actually for, for Monaco is how solid they are at the back, and it seems like. It's a trademark of, of, of Jardim to, to, to build from the back going forward and then use the, the attacking flair as a, as a bonus almost. And obviously, that's epitomised by Camel Glick. And um, he's just an absolute machine in front of goal this season. Um, I think he's, he's, in my opinion, he's one of the best, if not the best, centre halves in, in France. I mean, obviously, he's good in front of goal, but him, him uh, Jemison, um, George has come in and done well at left back as well, replacing Mendy. And uh, Sadipe at right back. They look a really, really solid back back four. I mean, they haven't really been tested yet. Marseille didn't really put them under much pressure, but um, they have, they're forming. A f- they have a formidable partnership. Um, I do have some reservations about Subasic, but with with that back four in front of them, you know, then um, they're going to do well again this season. And um, set pieces. I think one of the things with Monaco. I felt coming in before last night was the fact that they have been reliant on their goals from set pieces. And obviously Glick's got a couple, Jemison, um, uh, Falcao last night as well. And it's a real weapon and they're using it to full effect with both deliveries from Lamar and Moutinho. Um, but I think what was important for last, uh, what, what they showed last night was that attacking flair, that verve that really drew them so many fans across France and across Europe last season is, is still very much in and in evidence and, um, Jardim's got them playing, you know, the same way and he's, he, they've been ready for the changes that has happened, have happened this summer and they look ready to go again. So yeah, they're thoroughly, fairly impressive.
0: Rich, what are the standout candidates from you from last night? I mean, there's plenty really to pick out from Monica. Really. They sort of cruise to the victory in the end, but there's a, a couple of really great players out there on Sunday night, wasn't
1: there? Uh, there was. Um, and I, and I would, um, Put my name as well in the uh, in the, the, the Cal Glick being a you know, one of the league's best defenders, if not the league's best defender over the last well, certainly last season and into this season as well. Um I sort of put a rhetorical question out yesterday yesterday during the match actually of since the start of last season, has there actually been a better signing than the eleven million euros that that Monaco spent on Glick? And I think you'd be hard pushed to find somebody that represents you know, incredible value, um, both financially, but also in what he offers to the team. Um, but, you know, Glitt was fantastic. Um, I've been really, really impressed with Moutinho this season. Um, it seems silly to say for a player as, you know, well-known and, you know, he was one of those original big-name sign-ins that Monaco made. But I think there was a lot of expectation, I think, on him this season um with with Bakayoko having gone and you know he's seemingly taking the spot of Thierry Mon, so I've been impressed with how well he started the season I don't know whether it's going to last but I have been quietly impressed with how well he's performed um as a you know as a self-confessed Rome fan it is really good to see how well Diakabe's made his start with with Monaco um I Worried that the move was perhaps a little too soon, he's perhaps a little bit too raw of a player, but he's been thrown into that seemingly as the Mbappe replacement, um, and all the expectation that that's carried, and he's looked great, he's got really, really good relationship with Falcao already, um, has already laid on a couple of assists for him, got his first goal last night, so really, really hoping that he can continue to develop with the club, because on his day, he can be a really, really special player.
0: Yeah, and he was really unlucky as well in that, just after the first goal where he got put through as well and Mundondas nudged it onto the post as well. He could have had two and it could have been even worse uh, last night. And I'm going to join the Camel Glick Society, I think. I think I'm think i going to go one better than both of you. I think he's the best centre-back in the league. And he might be one of the best centre-backs in Europe at the moment. I think he's terrific. Uh, I think... Uh, I agree with you, Ryu, Rich. I don't think there's been a better signing for value in Europe in the last two years he's a leader, he's a great centre-back they did the business so early as well they were, it was middle of the Euros they were still talking to Torino, no one else even knew about it and and I, I think he was a great steal and exactly the kind of player they desperately needed um, let's talk about Marseille quickly though as well And this was a real reality check let's be honest Peter
2: yeah, um, it was definitely a reality check of just how far they've got to go if they want to become and achieve what they're would be. they setting out to on their champions project. I think there was some ruthless jibes thrown at Marseille last night, and, well, and they were warranted. I mean, they, they, were, they were wretched, but I think when, when we think about why Marseille lost last night, and, and Rudy Garcia said it himself, I, I really do think that the blame does lie with him to a large extent. Um, obviously, he wasn't helped by not having NG, not having Payet, um, but he really just sapped the attacking life out of the, the side before kickoff. Um obviously playing a back three that was so wooden and slow. Uh Rolando, Doria, and Sertic Sertic isn't, isn't really a centre half. Um then you had Huberchan at left back, which was just unfortunate. And then a, a in front of him, and it's just oh, it's just a yeah, it's just recipe for chaos, really. And uh I think I think Doria got a one and so did Sertic from from keep. So and that that and they don't well they're ruthless with their with their ratings, but they were that sums up the, the how badly they were, how bad they played last night. And I think, you know, it's 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 great when you set up defensively to try and shield against Monaco. But it, you know, when you can see the goals that they did, especially from set pieces, it was just it was a little bit like they they hadn't played together before, and and they hadn't, um, especially in that in that system. Um, and you know, obviously they're missing Rami at the back, and it is it's quite uh, concerning from a Marseille perspective to see that they're evidently quite reliant on him. Um, and you know it's it's a reality check, I think. That that I think that's definitely the best way to to put it, um, um, Nathan. And you know that it's not come out of the blue. They haven't exactly set Ligue 1 on fire this season. They they they, were, they struggled a bit against Domzale and they, they scraped past Nantes and they dropped points against Angers. they they, they I feel that with Mar- with Marseille that, that they've still got a long way to go. And it's longer than I think many expected. I think that's part of it. They have invested, um, but you can't solve these issues overnight. But I think why the defeat was so bad last night does come back to um, to uh, Rudy Garcia for me. Um, I don't know if you guys agree on that. Yeah, just very quickly, I'm going to... Breaking to
0: a moment that GFFN have just tweeted about um, the Jovetic story. Supposedly, RMC are saying it's not true, uh, which is a real disappointment if it is. <laughs> yes, they really are, aren't they? Rubbish. Um, <laughs> Rich, the formation that Marseille showed last night, that, it was a, surely a ginormous risk. I know they're playing Monaco, it was so dangerous on the attack, but playing a, a pseudo five-four-one that didn't really look like anything like a 5-4-1 or a 5-3-2 or whatever they thought it was, surely you don't mix away from the things that have been succeeding you so far, even if you are playing a big side.
1: That's the question I've been asking myself ever since the game kicked off last night. I do not know why that formation was played by Garcia. Yes, okay, you're playing Monaco. But you're Marseille, you know, you are a giant of the French game. You have, you know, you're undergoing this current quote-unquote champions project. You've signed some good players. You've signed some iffy players as well. And then you go and put that formation out, you know, untested against an opposition who you know love to attack. So why play such an untested uh, formation and untested players? in that formation. It just baffled me, you know, it really did. Um, And if this doesn't, I mean, previous performances over the last year should have, you know, set the alarm bells ringing. But if this now doesn't lead, you know, the the, the directors and Garcia to go out and look at that defense and recruit and recruit well for that defense, then nothing will and this project will not be a champions project this project will be a sixth place project at best um because they have needed defense you know, good defensive recruitment uh, recruitments for a number of months now amarvi okay had a very bad game last night but he is a step in the right direction you know i think we're all confident that he does have the talent he's got you know he's at the right age where he can rediscover the form that he had at nice um again that he has you know he's back to his best after that injury but my goodness do they need recruitment and they need it fast because you know we're talking only a few days now until the transfer window ends but this this has to be the fight well this is the final wake-up call that they will have before that transfer window closes so if they don't recruit now and recruit well say goodbye to a top three place
0: yeah, I'm going to go on a quick rant here I think about this. I, I think I'm going to give Armavi a little bit of a pass because he played essentially as a left winger yesterday. He was the furthest forward sometimes in the first half because they just didn't know where they were playing. They did not know this formation at all. The, if you told me there was three centre-backs, I would have told you you were lying because at least one of them were absent, if not two. I know both of main culprits were really given a drubbing by keep, but they, they were awful defensively. I I love defensive football sometimes, and I I couldn't believe how bad they were. Luis Gustavo is a defensive midfielder that every time Fabinho touched the ball, he ran at him and left the centre of the field open. And I was thinking, what are you doing? There's Sanson next to you who's the one who's supposed to be doing that. There's other players around you that should be doing the ones. You should be the one sitting in front of those three defenders who are playing awful. I couldn't believe it. From the first minute, it capitulated. The goal, it's a wonderful goal from Glick. How a centre-back scored that, I don't know, but a wonderful goal has completely crippled them. It bamboozled them, it put them into shock mode, and they just ran around the field as if there was no direction about them at all. They were lucky probably in the second half that Monaco went, this game's over, we don't really need to try. This could have been eight, nine, if they really went for it, and Monaco really went for the throat, this could have been utterly embarrassing, and Garcia would have been out today if that happened. Um, he needs to turn things around quickly. They've spent money. They've got no arguments about bringing more players in. They've brought in plenty this summer. They need to do absolutely a lot more about this. Either the the decision makers at the board level need to change because they're not bringing in the right players, or the manager needs to go sooner rather than later, really. And I think that's a sentiment that a lot of Marseille fans will be saying today, because this wasn't just a bad performance by the players. This was an awful performance by the manager who really put them out to die. Um, that evening, and that's a real shame for a club that should be playing a lot better, having spent that much money this summer. Um, we'll leave it at that for <laughs> them. There,
1: there is just oh. one, one, very quick thing. A, a brilliant um, tweet that uh, Opta Jean put out uh, after the, after the match yesterday. That Monaco's defenders this season have scored more goals than Lille, Strasbourg, Troyes, Nice, Montpellier, Amiens, Caen, Metz, and Nantes which I think sums up the you know that monaco philosophy of everybody gets in on the goal act hammers was that home
0: yeah <laughs> especially when you're center back scoring over head kicks i think that does help as well to be fair <laughs> um, let's move on to the national team who obviously play this week in a, in a round of qualifiers and they were announced without too many huge surprises really to us now a lot of those players that got into the squad really deserve to be there, really on honesty. But I do want to talk about a subject that we probably hate about talking about, but let's put this one to bed for once and for all, and that's Karim Benzema. It's a topic that comes around a lot of times. I know you love it, Rich, especially. Um, <laughs> it's no longer a case of how good he plays, is it? He is not coming back in the setup,
1: is he? He's not. Um, I think Deschamps has been very clear about that, but Madrid fans and journalists alike seem to every time there is a squad announcement Benzema gets asked you see Deschamps his face drops more than normal and he wheels out the same old lines he must be bored sick of it because I certainly am uh, and I'm not the one that's been asked these questions but he's made it very clear Benzema has no place in this squad um, currently uh, but that that is not going to change while Deschamps is in charge certainly and to be honest it doesn't need to change, you know, France don't seem to have a problem with scoring goals. You look at the attack that was announced, there's goals there, um, there's reliable players, there's players that haven't let Deschamps down, haven't let the national side down, haven't disgraced themselves, um, you know, so numerous times um, that, that Benzema has. So for me, it, 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 it's, a, it's, it's a normal point, it doesn't need to be discussed anymore because you know Deschamps has been clear, um, and and I have this argument with people on, on Twitter all the time, whenever there's a squad announcement, is I can count on one hand probably, probably even less than even less than that the amount of excellent performances Benzema put in for the national team. Um, there was one, I think, in the World Cup when they played Ecuador. Um, was that the in the twenty ten World Cup? That must have yes, been. Yes. And he played. He played out on the uh, out on the wing, I think, in that game, and played really well. Sulked. I want to play centre forward. We'll play centre. He played centre forward next game. Back to being you know rubbish. So for me, it's I've never ever disputed how well he plays for Real Madrid. He's a top striker for Madrid. He just doesn't do it for France. And Yeah, okay, him and Deschamps don't see eye-to-eye, eye, which is obviously a very big understatement, but the fact of the matter is he doesn't perform for France. If he doesn't perform for France, he shouldn't play for France. Simple as that.
0: And, and in fairness, that Madrid team is sort of built in a way that maybe hides some of his absences that happen, especially in the France side of when he was probably should be their best player. It might be a bit better now with some of the players around him, but he's, he's maybe a little bit shadowed it. Madrid, even though he can be excellent on his day. Um, Peter, no Sissoko, no goodbye. New Deschamps?
2: <laughs> uh, finally gets to him. Yeah, I, I, I think with Deschamps, he reminds me a little bit of, I know this, this will, uh, may not go down so well, but he does remind me of Roy Hodgson. And I say that, just uh, hear me out. He, uh, he, I went to a talk, uh, which he gave, uh, I think it was a year and a half ago now. And it was about trying to foster this club mentality with, with the national team, which is exceptionally difficult to do obviously they only see them for a handful of days a year and the reason you will keep seeing players like like Kabai or Sissoko is that they like having the same faces it's like why you always ended up with Walcott in the national team or and or Ashley Young back in the day or something like that it's 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 this idea that you know if if they're familiar with each other and they're familiar with the system then that benefits the the side in the longer term and I think finally it's reached a point where (laughs) for Deschamps these players aren't Good enough necessarily compared with the talent pool that, that France have, and t- France's talent pool is is, is exceptional. Um, but yeah, so I, th- I think that's that's why we've seen them, um, and and it's it's a, it's refreshing to see that um, we're going to see other faces in there um, for a change. So um, merited, and so I can't see how Sissoko has managed to survive so long, especially. Um, Especially when we look at where he's been playing, especially when he plays wide, and, and the, the attacking talent that France have, it's it's, uh, it's a bit obscene. So, um, yeah, that that's that's my that's my take on it, um, essentially. And I think um, it's good to see that he is now moving on. We hope, fingers crossed.
0: Yeah, It seems strange to feel that seeing that side and not seeing Soko's name. It seems almost hollow. Um, <laughs> I'm going to quickly put some nonsense to bed while we've mentioned the French team and West Ham fans, Payet is not there because he's injured. He's been injured for the last couple of weeks. That's why he's admitted. Uh, unsurprising there. He, he might not have got in any way, which would have been right for them to say, but at the moment, uh, you can't really badger a man while he's already down. Um, any omissions that you can see really, Rich? I mean, Sebastian Courchier, maybe at right back, because Jalais seems a little bit redundant, although the Frenchman has not played Great for Sevilla. He didn't play yesterday either. Uh, Anthony Martial maybe he scored two goals in twenty-five minutes, two sub appearances. It was all right against Swansea. Wouldn't grab a goal, or is this maybe just fair, especially for him at least? Anyway, a bit too competitive to get in.
1: Um To touch on the latter subject, there, I'd, I'd quite like to have seen Martial given a go. I thought he's responded to quite a lot of. I think he's received. Perhaps not publicly, but a lot of flack, I think, from Deschamps and uh, Mourinho. I think, you know, he's no longer this star magic young player that he was, you know, he joined Man United under that under that sort of banner. Um, but I think actually, you know what, he's responded well this season. Um, you know, got a couple of goals, has looked, you know, quite, quite, a, quite a threat at times. Um, so it did surprise me that, Kingsley Carman was, was included, because I thought maybe that, that spot could have gone to, uh, to Martial. Um, right back, uh, my goodness, that's a problem position for France. Um, you know, Gibraltar Sidibi, great player going forward. Dreadful, dreadful defender. <laughs> but, you know, no qualms about his attacking abilities, but um, his, his defensive duties are a lot to be desired um and jane just it's a, it's a it just highlights how how much of a problem position that is for france you know where where are these you know future right backs and there's there's a real sort of dearth of them you know course yeah okay but even he's what 25 26 now and okay made that move to severe which on the face of it looked promising but has yet to you know come to any, anything close to fruition so you know, it's almost a case of is it Jalais by default because there's nobody else. Um, it's it's certainly a big, big area of concern, and I think it has been for a while. You know, for a number of years, we you know, France heavily relied on it being you know Saint-Yen or or Jale. and all of a sudden they've got to an age where they're no longer what they were, and France are left with a bit of a hole at right back.
0: Uh, very quickly, um, Peter, any, any missions for you that you can take a note?
2: Uh, not really. I, I'd, I'd echo much of the sentiment. I think right back is almost, a, at the moment, it's a bit like a unfulfilled potential, I think. I think mean, Serge Aria and then obviously Couture, a few years ago, you'd look at those two coming through and think, OK, France have got some options here. And it hasn't really worked out for either yet. Oh, no, obviously, Aria could get a, a move elsewhere. So it'd be interesting to see what happens there. But Cortier, you're right, Rich. I, I agree completely. needs to. Uh, really step on it, Severe. I think the only thing I'd say about the squad is I think it's questionable that Mbappe's there because if, he, if he's not been in the right mental state to play for Monaco, I don't understand how he can be in the right mental state to play for France. And I feel like, obviously, Deschamps wants the right people in, in that circumstance. And, but if he's got this transfer looming over him and he's still got the it's not resolved, evidently, how can he possibly feature for France in an important qualifier so that's that's my potential take and it'd be easy for Deschamps to say that of course maybe the clubs may not want him Monaco may not want him you know because they you know he I don't know I I to be honest I actually can't see why um omissions I I agree with Martial I think Martial deserves a shot I mean he has only started I think the once is that right yeah Um, he's been an impact sub so that's probably in his thinking and obviously Deschamps has already criticized him before so yeah Uh, that yeah but all in all i think it's, a, it's it's a reasonably unsurprising squad.
0: Right, let's let's talk about our, our Liga league snapshots really and, and get a couple of those very very quick round if we can and starting with you Richard what's your snapshot this week? Uh
1: for me it's it's very quickly it's just three managers under pressure. Um I've spoken on re, re- uh, previous shows um you know is is the Elster facing a little bit of a problem. They got a reasonably fortunate one all draw away at Angers. You know, after all the, the expenditure over the summer, all the players coming in, the unveiling of Bielsa as manager, and all this, that, and the other, one win after four games, certainly not the result that they were looking for. So, question marks over him, let alone Bielsa's nature, shall we say. Um, Christian Gorku ran, um I think, evident last season with him. He's sort of been given. This stay of execution, if you like, money has been spent, I think, as I said earlier earlier tonight, has been spent actually quite well, um, but still no win, second bottom, defence looks in disarray at times, very little threat going forward, or consistent threat going forward, players don't seem to be interested in playing for Gorkuf anymore, which is, Normally, the, the sort of final tipping point. So, you know, could you be tempted to put some money on Gorku for being the first manager of casualty of the season? You could probably get decent odds on that. Um, and then the final one, Lucien Favre. Um, was very explicit after the Napoli game that he was not a happy man. Um, and Was not a happy man with, with the board. Was not a happy man with certain players. Um, I don't think there's any danger of him leaving, especially as I think, as he signed a... I believe he signed a new contract over the summer, um, and especially after everything he did for the club last season. Uh, so I don't think there's a danger of the board getting rid of him. I think there's a danger of him just walking away, thinking you know, board aren't backing me here, are letting me down. But for me, there's three managers, three managers under pressure to keep an eye on. Um, Peter,
0: I know yours is from League Do this week. What's your snapshot?
2: Yeah, very briefly. Mine's uh, Geoffrey Jodrin, uh of uh, Nancy. Um, <laughs> do check the video out. It's on uh, the, the GFN, uh, GFFN uh, Twitter feed. Um, he took umbrage with the uh, breast Ultras um, towards the end of that game, decided to boot a ball into the crowd. Didn't go down well. Body streaming onto the pitch. Got sent off. He has since apologised, and Nancy lost that game two one. So that that's my snapshot. Do check it out; it's uh, very entertaining. He uh, definitely uh, he he lost his call.
0: Yeah, and a bit risky, really. To be fair, if that would have been Bastia, it might have been a might have been a different story. <laughs> um, I'm going to quickly highlight. Uh, two goalkeeping moments for me because I-, I love a good goalkeeping reaction save and some clever goalkeeping from from two goalkeepers on the opposite end of the spectrum, really. One is um, the absolutely magnificent Stefan Ruffier who doesn't get enough praise at all from the world. Maybe the- one of the world's most underrated goalkeepers. The save he makes from the deflection from Loric Perran uh, on Friday evening is absolutely terrific. Do search it out. It's it's deflected to maybe slightly towards him, but it's deflected onto goal, literally straight in front of him. And his reaction to push it out wide is absolutely world class. It's a terrific save. The other one is um, from Ren goalkeeper uh, Bowley from a free kick, and there's two um, Toulouse players right in front of him, and he sort of palms it and claws it away from the two of them and, and stops them from possibly push it into the goal because a normal keeper might have saved it and deflected it into one of them and it ends up in the back of the net anyway. Didn't have the best of games, had a good couple of moments, had a couple of bad moments, but that was a really, really good bit of goalkeeping, I thought, and I love those little moments when you get them. Um, Time for some viewers' questions, really, and I'll quickly, I'll do two each for you and then um, very quick answers if you can. So first one's from Finbar Evans and I'll give you this to um, you, Rich. Uh, Do you think Marseille paid a lot of money for not much improvement, at least in the medium term?
1: Uh, absolutely. Um, I think the players they bought, one or two exceptions, um, you know, Morgan Sanson is a solid investment. Jordan O'Marvey, solid investment. Um, Valer Germain, solid investment. Um, there's a lot of iffy players I think that they bought. And as we've touched on earlier tonight, there's a lot of players they haven't bought. So it's it's still quite a confusing project, um, but I feel, do think that they will live to regret not thinking in the now and trying to think too much in the future.
0: I've got two questions from Thomas. So I'll throw the first one at you, Peter. Um, what do you think of Angers' start to the season?
2: I've been quite impressed with with Angers. Um, they picked up some big points. They picked a point against Marseille, point against Lille. I mean, I think actually by watching the Lille game. Uh, on Sunday they'll they'll be very disappointed not to have taken all three Um, because Lille were gifting them chance after chance they are horrendous at the back I mean they are next level bad they are I mean I don't know if it's El Loco or or what and adapting to each other to to the system but gosh the amount of chances they were giving them and Crivelli up front was just (laughs) causing chaos they just kept giving him the ball and sending him through on goal and uh, relying on last uh, ditch challenges from Alonso so but in terms of Angers, I've been very impressed with them. They've got a good squad um, in the right areas as well. Um, and they picked up important points. So, yeah, they could have another good season uh, this time around. I don't see why not. Um, yeah, very, very good start to the season. Yeah, solid
0: mid-table side. I, I really like Karl I uh, um, Can I remember say his name properly? It's um, Carl. scored against Marseille. It's going to escape my brain for the rest of the evening, I think. Never mind. Um, i have pass this one on to you, Rich. Um, who do Mets need to get with all oh, this is Milo Sar money?
1: Um, they need a striker. They
0: really do,
1: they. Yes. <laughs> they, they need. Some, they need some goals. And he is not the player. <laughs> He's not the player they needed. To be honest, they, they really needed to have signed Jake um, Diabate. You know, they had him on loan last season. He got some really important goals. Um, you know he's got good league and experience he, he i can't believe he's going to have cost a lot of money i don't believe he would have been on phenomenal wages um uh, it it looks like he would potentially could be going to Gangong instead so i think that's a sign that Mets could be left to the room. but it it's it's a reliable, put it this way it's a reliable goal scorer uh, Manuel rivera is just not that player
0: i'm thinking if he goes to Gangon, try and see if you if you, at least if you can keep him fit Sloane Privat's not a bad player that's a similar build maybe that might be an interesting idea for them. Uh, finally from Simon Query who sends a few questions in fair play to him. It's nice to see him again. Um Peter what club or clubs I just need the names of the clubs really. Do you think you need to do transfer business before the window closes?
2: Um Marseille. Uh let me have a think. Um Mm, just moving my way through the, the league table. Uh, Marseille and as we just say, I think Mets do need a goal scorer, as Rich was saying. Um uh, yeah, we'll leave it at that for now.
0: I'm going to throw run in there. I'm sure Rich would as well. To be fair, with the with Absolutely. the with the Dembele money, they surely can spend a couple of pennies to finish off the the end of the transfer window. Let's they do. Um, and that's all for this time. Well, more well, we have time for this week. My thanks to Rich, Peter, and all of you listening at home. There'll be no Thursday show this week, because of the international break, but we will be back here next week at the same time, same place. Uh, next week, do remember as well, we will have our live service as well on Thursday evening heading into sort of Friday Friday afternoon as well if it for the uh, end of the window as well so stay tuned to our twitter feed and our website for that but for now abianto uh, and goodbye